listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. Send in your question or comment. To participate in the show, you can text or call 757-774-8482. Or to email the show, you can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and send your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. Welcome to the show. It's the Fret Files Podcast, the Guitar Tech Podcast. My name is Eric Daw. I'm a longtime guitar builder and repairman. My co-host today is my buddy, Nat. Hello, Nat. Hello. How's it going? Really good. Guess what? what? I got a fun fact that just sprang into my mind. Okay. Yes, indeed, I believe is the title to a couple of record albums, one by Ray Charles, and I think the other one is like Lowell... Folson or oh. someone like that. Cool. People that own the internet could look that up. They could. Well, if you're listening to this show, you probably do. Is that right? I got it from uh, uh, listening to Art Bell. Does he say that? He says it a lot. Oh, does he? Yeah. Well, that's fun. I, and I didn't realize that I got it from listening to him until recently. I and Maybe I re-realized it. I don't know. But I listened to old... Uh, archived, you yeah. know, broadcasts of vintage Art Bell, coast to coast AM. Yeah, and he says yes, indeed, all the time. Not as like a uh, intro or anything like that, but callers will just say, "Hey, Art, you having a good night?" And he'll say, "Yes, indeed." Yeah, it's an affirmation of whatever sure. nonsense they say. That's a fun show. Anyhow. This is yeah. This is the part where I do something more. Yeah. I apologize. I dropped the ball. Greetings. I will read the listener submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. Mm-hmm. What yep. is on your bench lately, Eric? Mm, a bunch of setups, and uh, you know, nothing too out of the ordinary. A lot of repairs. You're going to dismiss that question? That's I, one of my favorite questions. I try so hard to turn down repairs, and it's just, oh. I, can't, I can't do it. You know, when somebody brings me, like, a cute little 30s Gibson, uh, yeah. you know, like a little tiny, uh, what, are, what are they called, LGO? L, or, yeah, I close. just, it's hard for me to turn that down, yeah. you know? You're rooting for it. Yeah, so... I did buy a uh, a tipple recently. You know what a tipple is? Well, I did not, but you showed me. Did I show you that, that thing? Was a visual demonstration helped a lot. It's cute. It it's is like, really neat. It's I, I'm pretty sure it's Regal. It doesn't have a brand name, but mm-hmm. it's just the cutest little thing. It's, it looks like a tiny guitar. It It's the same high-quality woods and uh, mm-hmm. the inlay things. Very cool. Like, V-neck. Yeah, multicolored herringbone. Yeah. You know, double-bound uh, herringbone binding. Very cool. It uh, is fun. And it has, it's 10 strings. So it's four courses, right? 
Yeah. But um, some of them are doubled and some of them are tripled. Yeah, that was the wild thing. Yeah. Tripled, like a, a yeah. string course or a yeah s- string set. And the tipple, I don't know the origin of it, but it ends. it turns up in a lot of Cuban music that I love. Oh, yeah. And kind of, you know, Caribbean and uh-huh. Spanish, you know, very cool and peppy music that, like, uh, the well, the most commercial and easily accessible example I can think of is that uh, uh, Shake Sonora, yep, yep, yep. Shake Sonora song by uh-huh. Harry Belafonte. Oh, man. I've got shake, several of his shake, old things. Shake Sonora, that intro is a tipple, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and you just strum the heck out of it, keep it going on those well, they play, notes, whatever. Yeah, they play like melodic lines on it, and oh, it sounds they? like it'll. It sounds oh, like that's a, right. It sounds like a tw- a twelve string guitar capoed way up, or it sounds like kind of like a mandolin, gut string mandolin. Yeah, it's fun. I think it's related to the charanga. I think is the name of oh. like a Peruvian instrument that I think is sometimes oh. made with an armadillo back. Yeah, that and would make I think sense. it is. It might be eight string in four courses. So I haven't decided if I'm going to keep it or sell it, but it's cuter than heck. It's high quality. Yeah. When I first saw it, I thought, that's a cute mandolin that I don't want. But when I realized it was a tipple, I thought, okay, I want it. All right. Like cute little baby guitar. It's cool enough that that I want it. I know I'm halfway tempted. This would be really a sin. But I'm halfway tempted to put a different nut on it and try to string it up as a six-string, you know, little tiny guitar. Because uh-huh. it's just cute. It's like the tiniest little parlor guitar you've ever seen. But it has ten tuners. You could do a nice tenor uh, ukulele, maybe, yeah. if you're up for it. I'll probably leave it as a uh, as a tipple. As a tipple. Because it's cool. String it up. And they're kind of rare. I looked on Reverb, and there's four other ones on Reverb right now. Reverb.com. But... uh you know, not I, not moving quick. I guess no, Maybe probably gathering not. Dust. Yeah, yeah, they probably listed two years ago, and they don't mm-hmm. move real fast, but they do. Well, you could put yours on there for a couple, three years too. Yeah, I might. And well, in the good. meantime, I can play it. Yeah, I can play Harry Belafonte songs. You could play. That's a that's kind of a revolutionary idea. We could play some of these things occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. That's kind of breaking a frontier. Hey, I know something that was not quite on your bench, but I took a picture of, I think, four shades of blue-green. Oh, you, in the paint you, booth? Yeah, you might get violent yeah. if I say Sherwood Green is blue-green, but and not to spoil anything there. But um, yeah, it was such a, it's so neat altogether, four or, and five with your car, with your old Smobile. Oh, yeah, yeah. My car is... Is definitely uh, my. I have a 1952 Oldsmobile that sits kind of in the middle of my shop. Yeah, it's not really <laughs> in the way, but it's. <laughs> yeah, but you walk around it to get to the other to yeah. get to the paint booth. But uh, that car, I love the color. It's like an. It's it's teal. I'd it's call it metallic teal. teal. Is great. Yep. It's aqua. You know, it's bluish green metallic. Fifties teal. Yeah. But it's metal flake. And you get it out in the sun, and it looks like there's a light inside it. I mean, it's really a good color. It's neat. Yeah, I like it. But in the paint booth right now, I've got a Sonic Blue refin that I'm mm-hmm. doing, a 50s oh, Strat that's, that's refin. being refinished. 
A 1950s Strat. Yeah, for a customer. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's neat. No, no, no. It's early 60s. I'm oh, sorry. Same thing. Early 60s. Know. Yeah. Sonic Blue. Next to that is a Daphne Blue mm-hmm. cu- custom guitar that'll be done soon. Slightly different. Next to that is a Sherwood Green custom guitar yeah. that'll be done Striking. soon. Striking. And then just outside the paint booth is my blue, green, teal, you know, oh, you had Oldsmobile. You had one more. You had Lake Placid Blue oh, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. other day. That's right. Which is So there is four of them really, sitting right next together. That's a stunner. It is. It mm. is. It's interesting to me. I, I had one of my earlier guitars come into the shop that's Lake Placid Blue uh, that I was just working on today, mm-hmm. and I... And I looked at it next to the Lake Placid Blue guitar that I'm currently painting, mm-hmm. and they're different. The color is different. Really? Yeah. And it's interesting to me, and I think it's very subtle, but they're different. And I think, you know, there's there's always more to learn. When you're painting Metal Flake, how, you, how far away you paint it, and how oh, the yeah. flakes fall onto oh, the yeah. surface makes a big difference in its reflective properties. Yeah. Like if you just spray it on super close and super wet, it looks way different than if you back off it right. and kind of dust it. Where it would precipitate out at a different rate from, you know, have different momentum and go yeah. different depth into the, the layer of paint. There's Whoa. always tech, more technique. Yeah, it's deep. These guitars are so high tech. Painting is painting is. <laughs> I like blue. It's I mean, such like an colors. art. Jeez. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you had one more. That was, oh, that was the one. What was that? It was Surf Green. Oh. Remember that? So that day yes. you had all those. And that Surf Green had a really beautiful. Yeah. Uh, uh, the finish, the checking on it. Remember that? Yeah, that's a, a, a hardtail. Um, that's right. S style. Maybe you didn't want we me say. to talk about that one. We Maybe say. that was the secret. Yeah. You know. So there were, man, there, it was pretty shades. Of oh, yeah. Slightly bluish green. Yeah, that's very good. It was fun. Very good. I think we have a phone call to take. Let's do it. Let's do it. Alrighty. Hey, Eric, it's Lewis down in Atlanta. I usually email, but I thought I would call this time. Oh, hey, man, good. quick question for you. I've been making some bass guitars recently and winding some bass pickup, which is kind of a new thing for me. Um, and they're turning out okay, but I thought maybe you had some wisdom on what makes a great bass pickup or maybe just some preferences on what you like when you're winding, you know, how many winds and what kind of wire and what styles of pickup. Uh, any kind of wisdom you could share on that would be greatly appreciated. Thanks again for all your great work. Hope you're well, man. Take care. Bye. Well, that was a good one. Thank you, Lewis. Very succinct. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting when you think about it. Most guitar companies really don't use any different pickup for their basses than they do for their six-string guitars. You mean different style? Well, construction? You, or? Yeah, like we're looking at two Dan Electro guitars right here. Oh, yeah. It's Those great. pickups are exactly the same. Oh, okay. They are exactly the same. Yes. Literally interchangeable. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then you think about something like Fender where, okay, the pickups are different in the sense that they won't fit the same hole. Right. But 
the technique of making them is almost identical. Nearly identical. It's just Alnico rods with, mm-hmm. with uh, you know, 42-gauge AWG uh, wire wrapped mm-hmm. around the, wrapped right directly around the Alnico rods. And four pole pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with P Different bases. Spacing. yeah. You know, they they will split the two coils so that they get a hum-canceling effect. Oh, yeah. Know. But, uh, or on J bases, there'll be, uh, there's two magnets for each string, you know. So, there's some differences, okay. but uh, not a huge difference, you know. Mm-hmm. It's structurally and, you know, in, in theory, basic design, yeah. basic design, they're, they're about the same. The big differences I can think of are like Rickenbacker. They, their base pickups really are different in the sense of, you know, well, some of them are. But uh, so what makes a good bass pickup? Well, the same thing that makes a good guitar pickup, in my opinion. Oh. Use quality magnets, the best quality magnets you can afford, and they're not that expensive. Get good USA-made Alnico if you can, and use the good wire. Um, use uh, enamel-coated or form-far wire. Okay. Uh, but, uh, th- you know, th- there's not some magic formula like this is how a bass pickup is made. They're, they're, to make it bassier or something yeah, like that. No, it's the... They're pretty close to guitar pickups. Yeah. Because the biggest frequency difference is in the strings, not the pickups. Yeah. So, so do what you like. That's what I say, because there's not any big magic secret behind making good bass pickups. Good one, Lewis. Indeed, uh, I think that's the only call we have. So All right. well, let's well, go to the uh, hit a different button. Emails here. Letters, we get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. Hello, Eric. I love the podcast. I don't suppose you'd be willing to share your wood supplier, would you? <laughs> I I just like the, the whole thing going on there. That's great. I build acoustics for a small company in Charlottesville, but our suppliers don't carry electric body blanks generally. Exploring options before I buy one, before I just buy one from Stumac. Thanks again, Jake. Thanks, Jake. Before I answer this, let me explain something, guys. I I wasn't going to talk about this on the show because it it's not important, hmm. but it has affected my business and this podcast, so I'm going to tell you about it. Oh. About a month ago, I had a uh, problem with an identity theft. Oh, yeah. Somebody opened a credit card in my name, and it was no big deal. I mean, I f- figured it out. And sort of a big cool. deal. But they recommend going through and changing all your passwords, because who knows what the, the uh, cyber thief, right? Right, the full extent of it. Who yeah. knows what they have? So I went through and changed uh, every password that I had everywhere, which that's fun. Go do that. Mm-hmm. Go do that for an afternoon. That's fun. Uh, and in so doing, I disabled the contact form on my website because there's a plug-in on my website that has access to my email through the password 
Um, and so when you fill out that contact form on my website, it actually goes through my email account and sends me an email from myself. To human act, yeah, to human email using that password. You know, that's how the contact form works. Yeah, computers. Well, when I changed the password, I neglected to think about how that would affect my website. So, for the month of October, I was thinking, gosh, business has sure slowed down. What did I say? <laughs> Is it me? People lost I'm interest in guitars. I'm not getting huh? any orders for pickups. I'm not getting oh any gosh, podcast questions. Yeah, for I the whole month that. of October. Oh, my heck. Now, if you emailed me directly, I got your email. If you contacted me through the website, I didn't get it. Bupkis. And some people have followed up and said, hey, I tried to order some pickups three weeks ago. Have you, uh, are you thinking about <laughs> responding? A reasonable question at this point. Yeah. Too. So that's what happened. It was due to a cyber problem, which I hate that word even. It's, <laughs> it's outdated anyway. I'm, I'm such a flip phone user. A cyber security problem. <laughs> no, I like it. It's cartoon character kind of thing. Uh, Careful, yeah, kids. It's very cyber yeah, problems. Yeah, it's awful. But that's what happened. I changed my password and it screwed up my website. So um, if you submitted a question for the podcast through my website in the month of October, I didn't get it. If you tried to order pickups, I didn't get it. Yeah. So on and so forth. And it hurt a little so, bit. Where were you? People? So resubmit it. I do, however, have plenty of content for tonight's show because what I did when I didn't when I didn't have any questions submitted the old fashioned way, I thought, gee whiz, we need some uh some content for the show here. I went through my emails and called uh people who had sent me direct questions. And went through my Instagram messages and called, you know, some questions there when people ra randomly ask me tech things. And uh, then a few other questions came in after I fixed the glitch. So we okay. do we do have plenty of copious this time. Yeah, but uh, resubmit it if you don't hear your question tonight. Saying that. Yeah, but what about them woods? Jake in <laughs> in uh uh oh where did he Outside say? Outside Charlottesville. Yeah. Um I use different wood suppliers. I don't only use one. And if you were to look if you were to to do a Google search for like Luthier Wood Supply, I've done business with every company that's going to show up on that first page. Here's the problem. Lightweight Swamp ash, which is what I'm after, comes and goes. So oh. I, when I, when it's time for me to order, I go through and see who has it, and if more than one company has it, who has the best price, and uh, then that's what determines who I order from. So I don't have a go-to place like here's where I order the, you know, swamp ash. Huh. I get it from where I can. And I suggest you do the same. But Stumac uh, absolutely is a good option. I've ordered from them plenty of times. Thanks, Jake. I thought we were going to hear some deep, dark secrets about nope. the thing. That was really a fun answer. All right, let's try another one. Hi, Eric and Nat. Thanks for the great podcast. I'm curious to know your opinion on the plastic bridges that Gibson used in the early to mid-60s. Well, I can guess. 
I can see the benefit of leaving a vintage guitar alone and stock, but I also see the value in upgrading those to a real rosewood bridge. Hmm. What is your opinion? Leave them alone or convert them? Larry. Thanks, Larry. How do you feel about plastic parts? Well, I used to feel that if it wasn't breaking, leave it alone. Okay. But I have not seen one for years that wasn't breaking. Yep. They have a super high failure rate in like, you know, 98%. Those are all lifting and they're not, you know, they're they're secured to the guitar through a series of screws. They're not glued on. Yeah, that's they're not like, great. They're like weird. They're kind of hollow underneath and they have kind of like a... a, a I don't know. Like a rig, a, a thing, y- a I deal. don't know how to even describe what's going on underneath. Because it's like awful. Ridges to to give it oh. substance, you know. It's not just totally hollow. Yeah, what do you call that? Yeah. Some kind of substrate. A thingy. Uh, architectural plastic substrate. Right. Some engineering. With screws. Just you, take them off and put a real wood bridge on it. I'm over it. Yeah. I. You know, it's, it's not a 50, it's not a 40s Gibson. It's not a 50s Gibson. Yes, they're still cool. It's a 60s Gibson, but the plastic bridges suck, and they're all failing. So I'm down with making them right. And in this case, right is not vintage correct, and that's a rarity. But I'm to the point where I'm saying, yeah, just put a real rosewood bridge on there. Convert them. Thanks, Larry. Good one. Hey there. I'm a high school junior in Florida. Muscle tough. Yeah, that's great. It gets better. And I'm on a mission to start a guitar manufacturing company. I'm not sure about the exact path to take, but I'm considering degrees like carpentry or business management. Business management since there's no major for making guitars. Hmm. And probably not in Florida. I bet you go somewhere else. My dream is to produce affordable guitars that sound just as good as high-end ones from companies like Taylor and Fender. I want to give back by supporting charities, and I envision a huge headquarters with luthiers, a cafe, you seen this? A place for employees' kids, you'd call that a daycare. Yeah. And support for school music programs. Man, this is altruism in action. But to make all this happen, I need a successful company. Should I go to college for carpentry, business, or perhaps apprentice with a local luthier? Any advice or connections you can offer would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for your help. Oh, yeah. That's unique. I don't think we're repeating on that one. No, it is unique. And good for you for having a a dream. Mm -hmm. I like it. I do like it. He says, there's no major for making guitars. Well, maybe not in the college you're going to. University of South Florida or something, whatever. Uh, So if you want to design your own outside-the-box career, you're going to have to think outside the box. There are schools for guitar making. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know what your situation is if you're... um, I don't... Yeah, I don't know. But... uh, a carpentry degree or a business management, sure, those I think would help. What I really would suggest is going to a luthier school if you want to do the 
you know, if you want to take the course of school. You mentioned apprenticing, and that's certainly one way to do it. But if you just Google Luthery school list Mm -hmm. or, you know, you could go to... Guitar building school gets you halfway there. You could go to the Guild of American Luthiers website, which is Luth. Dot org. I didn't have the heart to finish out the Luthier. L U T H. Yeah, Come which on. is be bold. Stand behind the, it. I swear they're not Lutherans. It's yeah. Luthiers. Luth dot org. Uh, they have a li- master list of all of the USA based guitar schools, classes, and individual instruction, and oh, all good. on making building and repairing guitars and there's a ton yep. an absolute ton i mean would that be neat you, you could just scroll 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 through that list and uh pick a state man where do you want to end up <clears throat> but yeah. that's what i would recommend is looking at that list and maybe thinking along those lines good luck to you man that's a good one that's fun try this. Hi, Eric. I have the option of purchasing a guitar that I think you might have made years ago. It's here at a local shop in my hometown in Georgia. How it got here, I don't know, but the original owner told the told the local shop that he bought it at Emerald City Guitars in Seattle around the year 2015. I can scarcely remember. It doesn't say Eric Daw or pinup guitars on it but it does have a vintage-style girly decal on the back. The headstock actually has a fender decal, but someone may have put that on after the fact. I don't know. Any info you might have about this guitar would be appreciated. I have included pics of it for your authentication, if possible. Thanks, Jim in Georgia. Thanks, Jim. I included this because I've actually received a few emails like this over the past year. Hmm. That's a fake not a fake. I don't. Th- I don't know if they. Well, it's not mine. Let's say right. that. Let's say that. It. I didn't make that guitar, and I've seen this several times. There was a guy. I don't even know who it was. He made some guitars very similar to what I was making, mm-hmm. which anybody could do. Yeah. Right. But he was also putting vintage pinup girl decals on the back, which anybody could do. But then he was also selling them on the, hanging on the wall in the same guitar shop that I was selling my guitars in. He did? It was very confusing. Oh, knock and it, it kinda, off. Yeah, it made me mad. Yeah. Really. And I, Come on, not people. only because of this guy, uh, but, you know, the fact that my boss allowed that That's guitar on the floor great. next to mine and every customer that came in there said, hey, your new guitar looks nice. Yeah. Well, it wasn't mine. And I would have been flattered if it was a nice guitar, but frankly, they were crappy. So I wasn't too thrilled about it. And people bought these guitars, and they think somehow it's associated with me because I was the right. luthier there. and I just, Like it so, was early attempts And now or they something. float around. And yeah, so there are a few out there that were sold at Emerald City Guitars that I didn't make. I didn't make those guitars. Them dang guys. Yeah. So, but you're always welcome to email me like that. Pictures of a guitar. Hey, I'm looking at this used one. Is this really yours? Always happy to, always happy to hear from people about that. 
Well, how interesting. Yeah. Let's do, let's do one more and then take a break. Let's do. That's a good authentication. Hello, Eric. I love your schematic book, Solid Sound. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Go to solidsoundbook.com to order your copy. <laughs> that was a great ad. I used the Crazy Strat wiring to rewire my beloved 1960 custom shop Strat. All right. In my opinion... This design gives you better sounds than stock at every one of the five positions. Mm. You gain the ability to dial in the middle pickup at any level you want in any of the five positions. Oh, that is cool. That's what Crazy Strat is. That is what... It is one of... Out of all the schematics I've created, that really is like... I'm I'm proud of that one. That is pretty cool. That's how... That strat that I'm pointing to right here. Yeah, that does that gnarly phaser That's right. deal. Yeah. That's a good, yeah, crazy strat. Let's remember that, people. Okay, yeah, you dial in the middle pickup anytime you want. And this gives an awesome ability to fine-tune those tones. Yeah. There's a true out-of-phase combination position, a genuine quack position, and the usual single pickup positions. I can't praise this design enough, as in my experience, it took an already fantastic strat and made its electronics a big step better than ever, while losing nothing at all of what the guitar could already do. I was extremely hesitant to change anything about a guitar I love, but finally went for it, and having played the rewired version for many months now, I am absolutely convinced that this wiring is magic. Money. Terrific. The The best. best. You name it. (laughs) Nick in Santa Barbara. Nick, you win. Oh, yeah. I like Crazy Strat. You win tonight's uh, uh, best email. For the most superlatives. And I have absolutely nothing to offer you for winning. But you win. Yeah. Accolades. And I also have nothing to say about it. I just put it in here as a (laughs) nice little commercial for my book. So get your copy at solidsoundbook.com. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Imagine always having fresh roasted coffee in your home. Now, imagine you didn't even have to leave the house for it. A subscription with Apex Coffee Roasters makes all of this possible. You choose the plan that best suits your needs, and they handle the rest. Their roaster will select a coffee option just for you and send it your way. Discounts are applied if you get a six-month or a year-long subscription. And shipping included if you're in the USA. Great coffee every morning. Just cut a little bit easier. That's apexcoffeeroasters.com. And if you go there and use my promo code, you get an additional 10% off. That's pinup, P-I-N-U-P. That's at apexcoffeeroasters.com. You know playersgearmusic.com is the go-to place for neck heating irons or neck presses. We've been telling you about that for a long time. But you should really check out his effects pedals. Go to playersgearmusic.com. Rick over there makes custom guitar pedals, and he makes all kinds. They're so unique. Check them out. Uh, Distortion pedals, boosts, fuzz pedals. And sometimes they're in really unique um, containers. Sometimes they're uh, painted wild. you got to check it out. Playersgearmusic.com. While you're there, look up the neck heating irons that he sells. It's the only place on earth that I'm aware of you can still buy one, and it's essential. It's essential in my shop. I use mine all the time. 
playersgearmusic.com. Check it out. Alrighty, we're back. You want to read me another uh, email here? I would be glad to. Hi, Eric. I've learned so much from you and more auspiciously. Woo. Oh, we spoke too soon on that. That's a nickel, one. A nickel yeah. word. Yeah. Have gained confidence by hearing your solutions to certain problems align with mine. Okay, now you lost me a little. I've only worked on guitars of my own or my peers, so to hear a professional approach certain issues the same way I have has chastened my imposter syndrome considerably. Hot damn. He's got the old thesaurus. I sincerely thank you for that. Well, that's good. Hey, listen, I want to I want to address that paragraph. That's great. Heck yeah. You know, when I started this podcast, I was afraid to to share my views on some things because I thought uh, people are going to um, call me out that this is that this is uh, not the right way or not right. the right way to think or something. Yeah. Embrace your own theories, people. Well, keep that beginner's mind. Stay humble. That's right. That is great. Boy, and trying to withstand the withering digital scrutiny, I don't know. Yeah. That's awful. I'll move on. Anyhow, our letter continues. <laughs> Thank you. I have and enjoy your solid sound book available Ooh. now at ericdaw.com. <laughs> but I didn't see my particular issue addressed. Let's my question regarding is regarding tapped single coils. Oh. Is that a thing? It is. Searching the internet is useless yeah. as people use the phrases coil tap and coil split interchangeably. When that is incorrect, I'll mm-hmm. be doggone. I have a Telecaster with the standard wiring scheme, two single coil pickups, one volume, one tone, and a three-way switch. However, my bridge pickup has a coil tap. Mm-hmm. I would like to use a pot in place of the tone control to vary the balance between the tap and the end of the coil. Mm-hmm. I've done this before. I've done this with switches in the past, but I feel a rotary pot would be a more elegant solution and potentially add varied useful tones. Mm. Can I use a standard 250K pot for this? Or would there be loading issues that I'm unaware of? Linear or log taper? Hmm. Cheers and damn the percolator haters. Oh, this is a long time listener. I didn't have to know that people hate percolators. This is Patrick Walsh of Risk Reward Woodside. Queens, New York. Yeah. That's a great one. Uh, he's in a band. He's in a great band called Risk Reward. Yeah, in, got a slash in there. In Queens, and I looked him up on Bandcamp when I saw this question. Well, that's cool. Yeah, and they're good. It's a good band. Uh, Patrick, I like your. I like everything about your question here. Cut of his jib. Yeah. Um, tapped single coils are rare, but they do exist. Hmm. But they're a rare thing. Do you know Nat Natwine's pickups? Do you yeah. know what a what a tapped single coil no, is? No, I was learning this right along with so half the listeners. If you're winding a pickup, you wind it, you wind it, you wind it. Let's say you wind it up to six k ohms. Okay, and you stop. Uh, and then you you could tie it off to the um little ferrule, you know. Yeah, the thingy. The little yeah, rivet, the, grommet the tiny thing. little grommet uh-huh. rivet. And then you continue on 
from that point oh, and wind it even more. It's like a tap on yeah, a transformer right. with multiple taps. And then end up at another grommet. So now you've got... No way. Yeah, so now you've got a choice. You can have a 6K ohm pickup or say you wind it up to 8K ohms. So one pickup can be... Huh. Yeah, multiple outputs. Yeah, and I really thought, like he's saying, that coil tap and coil split were the same thing. That's neat. Yeah, so uh, I like your idea. I've never done it. Here's the problem. I've never done it. So I can sit here and think about it, and I can visualize it, and I can imagine it, and I can wire it in my brain, but that doesn't give us the practical application that we need in order for me to tell you you should use XYZ. It's yeah. hard for me to imagine. Here's my thoughts, though. One thing that came to mind, what if you used a rotary switch mm-hmm. instead of a pot? Yeah. You could get one probably from, uh, I don't know, Mauser Electronics or something. Somebody's going to have just an on-off rotary switch that you could just put your telly knob on or you could use you know like an old school radio or stereo will have a a click and then a volume control so you could use something like that which has a it's a pot but it has a switch on the bottom right it's on on off off switch and then then you could use the pot for your tone or I don't know or you could somehow wire it up to the coil tap i don't know it's going to be an experimentation can't wait to hear your report back i've not tried it if you want to use a pot my guess is um my guess is you would use an audio taper i don't know probably like a does he say what kind of guitar this is is it a telly oh i don't think he said Uh, yes telecaster standard wire and scheme yeah. I my first my the first thing I would try would be a standard audio taper 250k pot. Huh. That's what I would try. If you just want to use a you know, a rolling back and forth you know, on off. <laughs> yeah. But this is between the taps? Yeah. Isn't that too much because you're you're getting say 6k tap and well, what it would be, what it would, doesn't it need to be after the last? No, okay. Or, I don't know, man. I'm confused. It would. It's just traffic control on okay. where the electrons flow to or, okay. or not. You know, so as the wiper comes over and makes contact with it, it's going to send the electrons wherever you want them to go. Okay. So to either, yeah. But um, that's what I would try. I don't know. I'd have to sit down and map it out, and then. And then wire it up and see how it sounds. So you're, it, it might be an experiment, but Solid it, sounds, too. it sounds like you're up for that. Yeah. Dang good one. Really good. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. Hi, Eric. I have a few questions about your preferences for soldering. All righty. He's got them enumerated. Number one, I know you've mentioned that you use lead-free solder. I so do, do I. Mm-hmm. Some older electronics will have older solder connections. See that? Try to say both those. Older solder connections. Older and solder should rhyme. Right next to each other. They should rhyme if you you look at them, but they don't. my brain. I had a hard time. Older solder. Yeah, see? 
That's for hard our, to do. That's for our British listeners. And I mess up a lot of things, but somehow I kind of got through that one. With lead, older solder connections with lead solder. Do you mix new solder with the older leaded on older connections, or do you remove all of the old solder to keep from mixing? <laughs> that was all number one. Let me take that. Uh, I don't clean off the old leaded solder. Not entirely, yeah. No. No, unless it's a unless it's a mess, mm-hmm. and, and that's that certainly does happen. But no, I don't have any qualms about mixing lead-free and leaded solder because huh. uh, they will blend together just fine if just, you have to. All right. Well, number two, do you use a solder wick or a solder sucker? Oh, I have both, and I use both. It depends on the application. Um, sometimes the sucker is better. I usually use a sucker for like terminal lugs where you could really get at it and and if it's on the back of a pot I usually use um a solder wick. Yeah. Yeah, I have both. Yeah. I, I use both. Solder sucker is a spring-loaded syringey type thing. That's right, and it with like with a trigger <laughs> hydraulically sucks up hot melted solder. Yeah, it's a neat neat yeah. thing. Number 3, lastly, uh, what, when, what, sorry, do you have on your bench for fume extraction? Oh, thanks, Jim in Austin, Texas. Yeah, thank you. Um, I do have a little box with a hose on it and a some kind of a filter and a fan in there, and it does fume extraction. What brand it is, I couldn't tell you. Um, let me look it up here. Solder fume. It's a pretty small little plasticky box. It's yellow. <laughs> I think I got it on Amazon. You treated yourself to the cheap one? Yeah. I. Mm, Those it's, are nice. Yeah, it's not that. It actually has a little hose on it, and it has a knob with a click, which means it's on, and then as you turn it up, the fan gets more powerful. Oh, yeah, and then it's got, inside it's got little carbon filters that you can change. I don't know what brand it is, and I'm looking real quickly online here. Uh, oh, it's a Kotto, K-O-T-T-O. Found it. This is it right here. Yeah, it's yellow. It was 80 bucks on Amazon. Strong Suction Hose Fume Smoke Absorb- Absorber, K-O-T-T-O. Well, that sounds pretty essential. That's yeah, good. Is, is, that's the brand, Cotto. Yeah, that's okay. what I use. Thank you, Jim. We got all three. Hello, Eric. How do you go about setting your pricing? Mm. Oh, I like these kind of business ones because these are essential and maybe not talked about enough. Running your own business can be challenging and it can be diffi- difficult to set your prices so they are fair as well as cover your time, both at the bench and covering all other time spent that goes into running a business. Yeah. Jim Glinsky. Well, how do I set my prices? Um, when I started out actually charging money to repair people's guitars, I was working at a shop who already had established prices, and I think at that time, this would have been in the 90s, I think at that time it was 40 bucks an hour. Hmm, yeah. Um, and it has just incrementally crept up every few years. Like, okay, we're changing to 50 bucks an hour. Okay. It's 60 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. 
okay, it's 80 bucks an hour. When I was in Seattle, it was 80 bucks an hour for a long time. Um, the prices have just crept up, and if you uh, look around at what other shops are charging, you'll see a myriad of prices, but they're all within kind of a range. They're not too wildly disparate, yeah. huh? So I don't just come up with these prices out of, you know, thin air. Um, there's kind of, there's industry-wide uh, um, a range. You know, you look up what people charge for a setup. The setup charge and the hourly charge are usually the same. So, for example, okay, yeah. I charge $100 for a setup. I charge $100 by the hour. So depending on depending on the job I'm doing. Um, on my website, I have a price list that'll say, you know, refret is this much money. A refret with a guitar with binding is this much money. To make a handmade bone nut is this much money. Uh, and so my prices are really obvious and out there for anyone to see. If you go around and look at other what other shops are charging, you want to be competitive or you, you want to be, uh, if you want to charge a little more, if you feel like you're a better. Yeah, you got a little premium you know, service. I, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's space there to figure out what you're going to charge. But uh, what I charge is very similar to what most other shops charge. And there is a website that I check occasionally, um, and it's the uh, Blue Book of Guitar uh, Repair. Let me let me look this up. Something or other. Guitar Repair Blue Book. And this is on guitarrepairshop.com. Not the snappiest of names. What these guys do, guitarrepairshop.com, Guitar Repair Blue Book. They compile what everybody's charging and make kind of a... Uh, Standard list. Huh. It says here, These prices reflect the opinion and perception of the editor of GuitarRepairShop.com. While these prices are one, what one could expect from a quality repair shop, repair rates can vary. You bet they can. A full-time repairman can have as much training, time, and investment in tools as any mechanic. Shop overhead costs are on par with those of any other profession. So, if you take your instrument to a professional shop, expect to pay professional rates. That's a good point. Well, that sounds pretty realistic. Yep. Shops shops with cut rate labor uh, charges are often cut rate work. He continues, expect professional work while... Oh, oh wait. See, it's not I that easy, that is it? No, See? I, yeah, See that? that's right. While this list reflects prices one would expect to pay at a professional shop, rates will vary. Expect to pay by the hour for some extensive restoration jobs. These rates are based on hourly charges of $90 per hour. That's what this is saying right right now this year. Shop minimum labor charge 60 bucks minimum charge. See, my minimum bench fee is 50. But my hourly rate is 100, so it varies. Yeah. And the last time this was updated was 2020. I just noticed that Emerald City 2020? Guitars in Seattle, where I used to work, I've heard of them. Just raised their rates. I think they're up to 
I can't remember if it's one twenty or one one thirty an hour. They're probably more on the right side of the old bell curve on that because it's kind of a premium product that they're selling. Yeah, and you know it's a premium major city clientele. Too. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a big big city. Big cities typically have higher prices for yep. services like that. Um, yeah. I'm, I got to look that up real quick. I just saw them post about this the other day, but uh, I just want to check it out. Still down there on old Washington Street, like 83 South or something? Yeah, 83 South Washington, man. Yeah. I can remember two-digit numbers. Well, I can't find it. Uh, 130. They they just ch- Today is November 1st, and I think this is... It really is. I think this is their first day of charging one thirty per hour. But think about that. When I started, it was forty bucks an hour. No kidding at Ooh. the same shop. Wow. No, no, no. That was at a different shop. Oh, okay. That was that was before I was in Seattle. Oh. But I'm just saying, you know, industry wide the prices have gone up over the last thirty years for sure. You bet. You gotta you gotta follow them to some extent. All right, thanks for the question. That was a good one. Hi, Eric. Your book has me thinking all about guitar wiring. Okay. Must be pleasant. Guitar, oh, sorry, <laughs> I messed it up. Pots, jacks, and switches. Oh, my. See, this is great. It's like a reverie. I've been thinking about how to apply some of your ideas to other guitars. Cool. This has me thinking about switches. A lot of my guitars have toggle switches instead of the blade switches that are in your book. In shopping for switches, I've come across details that I have a very weak grasp on. Poles and throws. Oh, yeah. Can you explain the differences between single pole, single throw, single pole, double throw, double pole, double throw, single pole, double throw, (laughs) etc.? I think I, I should have been marking those off. That was as hard as older solder, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe you have a patented Eric Daw folksy and memorable way t- to think about these switches, what they do, how they work, and which damn one I need. <laughs> Thanks, Tim in Nevada. I like that letter too. He's buying for one of the better letters. <laughs> do I have a... F- do I have folksy? Yeah, and, do you have a home, homespun, memorable way? Well, do, Catchy way. What I'm asking is, do I often have folksy and memorable ways to th- well, maybe, think about? Maybe okay, he's flattering you because he it knows be. this is awful trying to remember those yeah. terms and do it in one's yeah. head. Can I explain it to you? No, I cannot. <laughs> Don't lie uh, to him. That's good. No, I can. Come clean. I'll, I can. I'll do the best I can. And what I'll do is I will, um, I'll put an image. It's my favorite image for demonstrating this. Uh, in the show notes, if you go to fretfiles.com, it'll be the image for this episode. But uh, let's start with single pull, single throw. That's the simplest one. Yep. What you want to do is imagine imagine a line, a straight line with two dots on it. The line goes through the dots on either side. So we've just got a line with two dots. The dot on the left is your pole. The dot on the right is the throw. Huh. You've got a single pole and a single throw. And when you flip the switch, the section of the line that's between the dots opens. 
Yeah, it's like a gate. And the opening is on the throw side, like you're throwing a gate open or throwing a door open. Mm -hmm. The pole never moves. The throw is the one that moves, okay? Right, and the switch is the connection between them. This is, this is how you can think about it in your mind. This is totally working for me. There's a line with two dots on it. Yep. That's single pole, single throw. Single pole, double throw now. Imagine that same line with another dot off to either yeah. above or below the line. Another post for the gate. Yes, so when you throw the gate, it hits the other dot and continues on a different line. That's single pole double throw. Yeah, so it's this one or that one instead of on, off. Yeah. I like it. Double pole. Now you've got two dots on the right. Or excuse me, on the left. Yeah, this is, this yeah, is see, so this is, difficult. Now it's getting difficult. I know, it's going to get ugly. The poles are on the left, the throws are on the right. Yeah. This is how I think about it. I know. Right? And the electrons are flowing. Well, they could be flowing either direction, but I we think, don't know I think of them as flowing from left to right. Right. The, if you, but if you imagine single pole, single throw is that one line with two dots on it. Double pull, single throw is two lines, and each line has a dot on it. Yep. Each line has two dots on it. You'll have to look at the image. It, it only has, so there's, if, if there's single throw, they each have a single throw, single target of that gate. That's right. That's right. Single connection that they can make. Right. Yeah. Double pole, double throw gets complicated. So I'm not even going to try to explain it in audio form on the podcast. You're not going to... Come on. You could do this. It's All right. It's like 30s radio broadcast. And, then, and especially because of the buildup. Yeah. This is the double pole with the, those two things on the left. So the poles are on the left. Yep. You got double pole. Picture that. On the right, you have four dots because the gates, when they open, are hitting another dot. Either of two on yeah. the other side. Right. Total of four. Yeah. So you can imagine that in your mind if I've explained it sufficiently. If not, go to fretfiles.com and look at that image, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Oh, that's really helpful. Just uh, kind of elucidating the concept, pull and throw, mm -hmm. I think... And then you build from the simplest up to super complicated. Yeah, that works. And there are three three pole and and triple throw switches, but th they're not often used in guitars. So we're just going to stick with single yeah. and double. And I'll post that image in the show notes for you. More or less theoretical at that point. And you're really going to want to look at it because all I've done is scramble your brain. Well, we've entertained ourselves with, also. With my explanation. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the show. We do appreciate it. And thanks for participating. Like I said, if you sent in a question in October and you didn't hear it yet, then I don't have it because my website wasn't working. So yeah. submit it once again. It's very much like the uh, phone help I had the other day, which was the lady says, Will... Do you often not get text messages? <laughs> so how would I know, ma'am? <laughs> how would I know? They were trying to text you and... Yeah, yeah I just sent you a text. What does it say? Uh, 
I don't see it. Do you often not get text messages? Yeah. How would I know? Yeah, that's What's a, going on. That's a very leading question. It's like an isn't hour it? and a half into this. It was awful. Ay, ay, ay. All righty. Uh, please yeah, participate. Please do. Uh, go to my website, ericdaw.com. E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and fire off a question. We'll use it as part of the show, or you can call or text 757-774-8482. And we'll use your question or comment as part of the show. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.